Welcome to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast, where we share tips, information, and success stories about a revolutionary treatment for alcohol use disorder called the Sinclair Method, or TSM. TSM can help most people reduce rather than abstain from alcohol by addressing the root cause of problem drinking, which is inside the brain. I'm your host, Katie Lane, Sinclair Method success story and co-founder of Thrive Alcohol Recovery, where we help you find freedom from problem drinking using this approach so that you can live your best life. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, it's Katie. I just wanted to share this video that I did a while back as part of the Alcohol Freedom Program. Every Friday, I do a deep dive where I answer our members' questions and go into various topics related to the Sinclair Method. I hope you find this video helpful and to learn more about the Alcohol Freedom Program where we support you through the Sinclair Method, check out the links in the description below. Hey guys, happy Friday. In today's uh, deep dive video, I wanted to cover just three basic reasons why the Sinclair method does not work for people or why it might take longer to work than people really expected it to. Um, These are things that you are all probably aware of, but wanted to just um, dive into them each a little more deeply uh, to talk about it in case it's something that you're not familiar with or maybe you're just not thinking about um, in this way. So let's get started. So the first reason why the Sinclair method doesn't work for people is, of course, the golden rule, which is lack of compliance. And we talk about this probably every single day at some point. And with compliance, you know, of course, we mean taking naltrexone, waiting at least an hour to drink and doing that 100% of the time that you are drinking, not 99% of the time, not taking it and waiting 30 minutes, um, not skipping it once a month. You know, you're compliant with the medication 100% of the time. It's a non-negotiable for you. If you don't have naltrexone in your system and you haven't waited an hour, then you're just not drinking. Um, The reason why this is so important is because if we're uh, not fully compliant, we're allowing our brain to get the reward from alcohol on occasion. And that intermittent reward can actually increase our craving for alcohol because our brain really starts to look forward to that reward that it's getting on occasion. Kind of like when people are gambling at the slot machines and they never know when their next win is going to come. So they just keep going, keep going until they get their next victory. So that's kind of what your brain is going to be looking for. If it's getting that, you know, lights and, and, and endorphins and all of that enjoyment from alcohol on occasion and then not getting at other times, it's going to keep looking for it, which is going to intensify the craving. Um, So taking naltrexone, waiting an hour, waiting at least an hour um, and doing this 100% of the time is truly the golden rule for a reason. And so that is the first reason why the Sinclair Method doesn't work or why it might take longer to work for people if they're not practicing that golden rule. The second reason is that when people are relying on the medication alone to do all of the work, um, I just had someone comment on Instagram this morning with a question of they've been on the medication six weeks, they're not feeling any cravings, but they're still drinking out of habit. And so um, we talk a lot about how important the habit and lifestyle and behavior change component is to the Sinclair Method. Uh, We often say naltrexone and TSM are 50% of it. It's a crucial 50%. It's the foundation. But if we're not doing things to really change our lifestyle and habit um, and our relationship with alcohol at its core, then what we can do is just continue to drink out of habit. 
And this is a process we cover a lot in our video courses about, you know, um, first of all, just defining your why for why it is you want to change your relationship with alcohol, um, getting a vision in place of what you're excited about in your future when you have your ideal relationship with alcohol, imagining and revisiting what does that ideal relationship with alcohol look like. And then um, along the way, each day and each week, setting small goals that will help you work toward that vision. If we don't have a long-term goal in place that we're really excited about when we have our ideal relationship with alcohol, then we don't really have anything to aim at or work toward. And so it'll be really easy to fall back on our default, which is just to drink to cope or drink to have fun or drink every day. And so I just encourage you that if you haven't yet um, visited our course video on defining your why for why it is you're doing the Sinclair Method or the one where we talk about creating a vision for your future self or goal setting, I just really recommend you to check these out, especially if you feel like you're stagnant on the Sinclair Method. Um, you know, when we drink alcohol, it's a very pleasurable substance for our brain. It's giving us twice the amount of pleasure than we would even feel on our best day ever when we win the lottery and marry our dream person or on a dream vacation. And we're thinking, wow, life can't get any better than this. Alcohol is still giving us more reward and pleasure um, than that. So we have to recognize that and realize that in order for us to uh, stop turning to alcohol for that reward, we're going to really have to seek out and be proactive about filling our life with other rewarding things. And we're going to want to do that when we can uh, have excitement about our future and have a vision that we're really working toward and looking forward to. So it's a really fun exercise to do, honestly. One thing that I would do, it's such a silly thing, but when I was on the Sinclair Method, one of the visions, I had like a lot of visions and excitement about what my life would be like when I had my ideal relationship with alcohol. But one of them was me, um, I had this vision of me being at a coffee shop at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. And to me, that represented that number one, I wasn't hung over on a Saturday morning and I was well enough to be up early enough to be at a coffee shop at nine o'clock and hanging out with friends. And so um, that was something that I always pictured in my imagination and I would get excited about it and it would really start to influence my behavior on the Friday night, like whether or not I was drinking or how much I was drinking, I would just really hold on to that future version of myself when I could be that person and that's at a coffee shop at nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. So just something simple and silly and fun like that can be something you can add into your daily life where you're kind of revisiting this in your imagination and getting excited about it. And that's the kind of thing that's going to pull you toward um, the, the relationship with alcohol that you want to have and cause it and make it so that you're not just relying on the pill to do all the work, but you're actually actively engaging this process and working toward that life that you want to have and casting that vote for that person you want to be in the future. And the number three reason why the Sinclair method doesn't work for people is when they don't really want it for themselves and really want this change deeply. And honestly, if you're at that place right now, if you're not sure if you really want this, like 10 out of 10, yes, I want this more than anything, that's okay because we go through different stages of change when we want to embark on any type of change. And if you're not quite ready to say, yes, I'm 10 out of 10, I want this change for sure and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there, then there are things you can do in the meantime to get there. You know, you can, again, do those visualization exercises of like, okay, well, what does my life look like without alcohol or with less alcohol or the cost benefit analysis of, okay, what are the costs of my drinking and what are the benefits of it? And really uh, just uh, weighing those options and being really honest with yourself um, or doing things in your life where you're trying to be uh, integrating in new hobbies or habits um, that you enjoyed as a kid, really low bar to entry kind of things that 
you can do that are fun that will help you to just gradually shift your habits around um, you know how you're spending your time and uh, really change your relationship with alcohol at its core but even if you're at a place where you feel like you're, you don't really want it maybe you're feeling kind of complacent on the Sinclair method if you're still being compliant with the protocol like that's still going to get you um, toward where you want to go um, and you can get to a place where you feel more ready to make this change and feel more excited about your future and your life and what that looks like when you have your ideas relationship with alcohol. And I will say for some people, sometimes it takes a few attempts at the Sinclair method or, you know, a lot of extinction sessions to really get to that place of, okay, now I really know that I want it for myself. So try not to be too hard on yourself if you feel like you're not super on board with making this change. If you're feeling kind of, um, you know, satisfied with where your drinking's at, if it's, you know, a place where it's it's more than you want it to be, but it's not that bad and you're kind of satisfied with where you're at, like that's an okay place to be. But just do these fun exercises. You know, I encourage you to do these fun exercises of just, okay, like, dream big. What does your life look like in the future when you have your ideal relationship with alcohol? What were those dreams and visions you had as a kid that you've kind of pushed to the wayside because heavy drinking um, has gotten in the way? And so, I encourage you to check out our courses and exercises on these topics, like creating your vision for your future self and defining your why and changing habits and all of those things, because it's really a, a, a all of these different components that come into play to really change our relationship with alcohol at its core. And in these courses, we also talk about our identity and how we uh, can so often be so identified with alcohol, you know, maybe without even really realizing it. You know, I'm a I'm a wine lover. I need wine to cope with stress or, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, socializing without drinking. Just all of these ways that we kind of have these tightly held beliefs around alcohol and we we have them in such a way where we're not even really questioning them. And so encourage, encouraging you to kind of uh, do that inner work and that self inquiry to think like, okay, what beliefs do I have about alcohol? Like, is that belief true? Um, and really just to spend time um, I'm doing this inner work on yourself to really get in the right mindset so that you can really commit to this process of changing your relationship with alcohol. So again, just to recap, the first reason why the Sinclair method may not work for people or may take longer than expected is the compliance piece. Um, the second part is when people are relying only on the medication to do all of the work. And then the third piece of, is if they're not really ready to make this change right now. Um, I hope this video was helpful. Uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast. For additional Sinclair Method resources and support, please check out the information in our show notes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.